Chapter Twenty One of The Widow Married: A Sequel to The Widow Barnaby by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty One: An Encounter, Embarrassing on the One Side and Agitating on the Other, A Trial of Friendship, An Impudent Maneuver, and a Wise Resolution. Gracious Heaven! You don't say so! Cried the sympathizing Matilda, entering at once into the nature of her friend's feelings this is a most wonderful discovery indeed but you must compose yourself my dear girl you must really lean on me patty and walk gently on when we pass the shop you know you may just look in and if you can catch his face you will be able to satisfy yourself whether you may not have made some mistake mistake shouted patty do you think i don't know him do you think after all i have told you that i should not know my darling jack amongst a million but i am quite sure patty that the gentleman did not know you stuff and nonsense how should he know me when he was chattering as fast as he could speak to that other fellow and never turned his eyes my way but you don't suppose i mean to part so i shall go in after him i promise you and then you shall see whether he knows me or not for heaven's sake patty don't follow two gentlemen in that way said matilda really frightened it is a saddler's shop my dear girl and nothing but men ever do go into it we shall be taken for something very very bad indeed we shall but patty without paying the slightest attention to her remonstrance continued to drag her on and on reaching the shop door without uttering another syllable of warning she fairly pulled her in marching straight forward to the back of the shop where stood the chase in earnest examination of a set of harness patty's object was at that moment not so much to speak to him as to make him see her and this she at length effected by dauntlessly walking round his very elegant-looking companion and finally stationing herself within about half a foot of his person startled at this sudden vicinity of female drapery the young man looked up and his countenance most unequivocally acknowledged acquaintance with the remarkable figure that stood before him hot and agitated her showy bonnet pushed backwards till it was almost off her head her colour crimson and her eyes extended with no mitigated stare poor patty really looked very far from respectable while her terrified companion whose more decent appearance and sober demeanour might have been some protection retreated towards the door utterly incapable of braving a scene which she thought likely to prove so exceedingly disagreeable neither her absence nor presence however were capable of producing any great effect on the catastrophe patty's acquaintance no sooner set his eyes upon her than with a complexion as glowing as her own he suddenly dropped the article he had been examining and abruptly seizing her hand led her through the shop and into the street without speaking a word with an agitated and hurried step he urged her forward some paces past the door and then pausing and changing the grasp he held of her hand for the usual salutation of a friendly greeting he said my dear miss o'donagough i sincerely hope i see you well and truly glad should i have been to have shaken hands with you under other circumstances but your referring to our acquaintance on board ship before the friend with whom you saw me or indeed before any friend i have would be very mischievous to me and i remember your former kindness too well not to feel certain that you would be sincerely grieved to do me the injury which would inevitably ensue were you to betray me betray you jack replied patty very innocently good gracious no i would not do you any harm for the whole world but you need not be afraid of speaking to me when we are by ourselves you know tell me when you will come and see me my dear dear jack 
and she grasped the hand which held hers with unscrupulous affection causing thereby a degree of remorse and embarrassment to the young man of which assuredly she had no idea and which if expressed to her would have been a mystery past finding out distressed beyond measure and moreover very firmly held jack felt himself terribly at a loss to know what he had best do or say next a puzzle which was rather increased than diminished when on casting his eyes towards the door of the shop he had left he beheld his friend stationed there and looking towards him evidently prevented from following him by a species of discretion most terribly injurious to the poor unsuspicious girl whose natural joy at meeting him again had thus undeservedly betrayed her into a situation calculated to excite the most disgraceful suspicions jack was or rather perhaps had been a very harum-scarum sort of youth but by no means framed to endure with composure the idea of producing serious mischief to a young girl innocent of everything save a good-natured and friendly recognition of himself after the struggle and meditation of a moment he said i will come and see you my dear miss patty tell me where you are and i will call upon you patty immediately drew forth her little pocket-book and tearing out a leaf on which she had written her friend matilda's address before they parted at brighton presented it to him i am not with papa and mamma now but visiting a friend said she as she put it into his hands greatly relieved by this intelligence and choosing what appeared to him a lesser evil in order to avoid a greater he once more permitted her to see the smile which had so awakened her young susceptibilities and said that being the case dear patty i shall come and see you with the greatest pleasure but you must promise not to mention having met me either to father or mother i grieve for the necessity which obliges me to impose such uncivil conditions but i cannot help thinking that when i assure you this mystery is essential to my interest you will not refuse to comply with them nothing could be farther from the delighted patty's thoughts than making any difficulty about the matter and perhaps at the bottom of her heart she was rather glad than otherwise that she was to be his only confidant i won't say a single word or syllable to either of them she answered with great eagerness it was always you and me that was the great friends you know jack and so we shall be still shan't we but tell me what your real name is before you go it is not jack now i'll bet it is something that begins with an s mamma says because she saw it on the silver fork the young man coloured and laughed you must call me mr steady now patty good-bye i shall be sure to call on you to-morrow at two o'clock exactly good-bye and again shaking her hand he withdrew making her as he departed a very respectful bow for the benefit of his friend to whom he pledged his word and honour on rejoining him that the young lady he had been talking to was perfectly respectable and in fact hardly more than a child whatever he might think to the contrary patty's first action upon his leaving her was to clap her hands which might be interpreted either as a symptom of violent and irrepressible joy or as a signal to her friend who was by this time at a considerable distance in advance of her miss matilda perkins was indeed in a state of very great agitation and a little forgetful perhaps of the duties which her superior age imposed and which might be thought to include the necessity of not leaving her dear young friend alone under any such circumstances she had pushed onward with all her might and had by this time nearly reached the top of st james street relaxing her speed however a little before she turned into the vortex of piccadilly in which she suddenly remembered that the highly connected miss o'donagough might possibly look for her in vain she had not in truth the courage to turn her head being persuaded that if she did she might be involved as a party in an adventure of which having dwelt in decencies for nearly six-and-thirty years she was very heartily ashamed 
patty perceiving that there was some danger of her being left alone in the street shouted the name of matilda with all the strength of her lungs and then set off at a full gallop equally regardless of the elbows or the eyes she encountered what do you run away for at such a rate matilda cried the panting girl overtaking her and once more seizing upon her arm what a fool you must be to be sure why what in the name of wonder did you think was going to happen to you oh nothing my dear replied miss matilda recovering herself on perceiving that the young lady was alone of course you know i could not think there was anything going to happen to me whatever notice i get from gentlemen my dear patty is in a very different way from being spoken to by strangers in the streets good heaven what would poor dear foxcroft say if he should hear of my being seen following officers into a saddler's shop in st james street i would not have believed it if i hadn't seen it that you could be such an excessive idiot matilda replied patty with some little warmth do you call jack a stranger as for that matter i am sure you are much more a stranger to me than he is dear darling delightful lovely jack how i do adore him and he shall find too that i am as true-hearted and faithful a girl as ever was why didn't you look at him you great goose you never in all your born days beheld anything one half so handsome well my dearest patty now my fright is over i wish you joy at meeting him with all my heart said her companion who recollected how exceedingly important to all her own dearest hopes was the continued affection of her youthful friend you must not be angry with me darling for being a little frightened at first you don't know how particular london people are i do assure you that if anybody had seen us going into that shop after those gentlemen it would have been thought perfectly improper and unladylike and besides my dear girl i do believe that when a woman's heart is so completely devoted as mine it makes them always most scrupulously particular in everything they do about other men i really should have felt that i was acting ungenerously by foxcroft if i had not come away all that may be very fine and very right and proper for you i really don't know anything at all about middle-aged people like you and captain foxcroft but if you fancy i shall ever meet my own darling jack without speaking to him you are quite entirely mistaken i don't care a straw whether it is a saddler's shop or a devil's shop jack is jack to me all the world over of course my dear he is an acquaintance of yours and that makes all the difference and i hope my dearest girl that he told you his name to be sure he did dear fellow his name is steady and he is to come and call upon me at your house exactly at two o'clock to-morrow is he indeed then we must just tell my sister louisa if you please patty that mr steady is a friend of your papa's and don't mention anything about st james street i don't care half a farthing what you tell her matilda you may say that he is one of my mother's fine cousins if you will now that i have found him again i don't care for any earthly thing beside replied patty but by the by she added drawing closer to her companion and speaking with an air of mystery there is a secret about him that he won't tell to anybody but me dear darling i'll keep his secret you see if i don't of course you will patty if he confides it to you and i must say that the glance i had of him showed plainly enough that he was somebody but if he tells you the secret about his disguise on board ship and all that there is no doubt but he will tell it to your mamma and your papa too rejoined miss matilda no but he won't though cried patty exultingly he told me dear fellow 
that he had very particular reasons indeed for not letting them know anything about it and you don't think i am going to be such a monster as to betray him that's just what he said himself dear creature you won't betray me patty said he and i'll see father mother uncles aunts and cousins too every one of them in the red sea before i'd hurt a hair off his beautiful head i can't help your knowing it matilda because i had told you everything before and that i must make him understand unless indeed you could be clever enough and kind enough to take yourself off and your wise sister too just before two o'clock to-morrow i had rather five hundred times see him alone and then he'll tell me lots more about himself i'll be bound do you think you could get her out and keep away for an hour or two matilda this proposal very considerably embarrassed the fair individual to whom it was addressed to disoblige miss o'donagough or in any way to check the intimacy from which she hoped to derive advantages so very essential to her own happiness was not to be thought of yet there was something that rather frightened her in the notion of leaving her friend patty so entirely to her own discretion as she now proposed and without answering very explicitly she only pressed the arm that rested on hers with the caressing fondness so usual between them and muttered something about its ever being she was sure her greatest delight to please her dear patty in all things that won't do matilda cried patty suddenly standing stock-still and very nearly overturning a butcher's tray intended to swing innoxiously round her as she passed that sort of answer is not worth a pin i really have a monstrous deal that i want to say to my own dear jack steady and there is more still that i want to have him say to me and i feel most positively sure that he will be quite glum if there is anybody by but me to hear him i'm sure matilda i shall always be ready to do as i'd be done by and i promise faithfully upon my word and honour that if you will but go out to-morrow at two o'clock and take your sister louisa along with you i will contrive to let you have a tete-a-tete in our drawing-room with foxcroft for just as long as you like as soon as ever papa has got his nice new house you know for papa says he is quite sure that foxcroft will contrive to get leave of absence on account of his health or for some excuse or other he is quite sure of it so you see matilda that if you will do what i tell you there is no need that i should be long in your debt the argument thus urged went straight to the heart of miss matilda well my dear she replied i will see what i can do but louisa of course is her own mistress and if she does not choose to take a walk just at that time you know i can't make her but i know that you can replied patty sharply as if i had not seen you come over her hundreds and hundreds of times and when she has set off with saying i don't think i can do that matilda haven't i heard her end at last by well to be sure i dare say you know what is best my dear this being said in patty's best style of mimicry it produced the accustomed meed of admiration from her friend testified as usual by an assurance that she never did no never in her life hear such a mimic but ere this oft-recurring expression was well spoken patty suddenly stood still and having a tight hold of miss matilda's arm caused her to stand still also what is the matter my dear demanded the elder lady matter ejaculated the younger one i certainly shall go distracted that's all i certainly shall matilda if you don't turn back this very instant and scud along with me to my own bedroom as fast as your legs can carry you what for my dear shan't we be very tired patty demanded matilda in a languid voice tired what signifies being tired i should like to know compared to my not having one single bit of any ribbon for my neck or my waist or my wrists but that ugly dark blue that papa bought at brighton 
they make such a fuss both of em about my not spending too much money in ribbons that i am obliged to be as stingy as a miser over my best and that's the reason i left all my pink pinned up safe in silver paper in my drawer i know it couldn't make any great difference with you and your sister whether my skin looked better or worse but jack i vow and declare i would not let jack come and see me in those nasty hideous narrow blue bows if you'd give me a thousand pounds i do assure you patty replied her friend that you can't look more beautiful in anything than you do in those identical blue ribbons i have said so to louisa scores of times come along my dear was the only reply which the steadfast-minded miss o'donagough made to this friendly assurance and being considerably the stronger of the two her will proved irresistible and the two young ladies once more jostled their way along the ever-busy pavement of piccadilly and in process of time again reached the o'donagough lodgings in street the ample face of mrs o'donagough was perceptible above the blind of the parlour window considerably before patty's impatient knocking had concluded and she burst forth upon them into the passage with all the eagerness of maternal anxiety just as her daughter raised one foot to mount the stairs what in the world is all this for demanded mrs o'donagough laying her hand on the shoulder of miss matilda for by an active movement forward patty had escaped her what are you come back for something that patty wanted out of her drawers replied the discreet and faithful confidant good gracious what a shame to drag you back all this way why you might have got home over and over by this time said mrs o'donagough oh dear the distance is no consequence replied matilda and you know there is nothing in the world i would not do to please patty while this passed the two ladies continued standing at the bottom of the stairs for mrs o'donagough did not feel altogether sure that her husband who was in the act of dining upon beefsteaks and onions in the parlour would be particularly well pleased by a visit from the refined miss matilda perkins especially as that young lady had been informed that they were to dine at richmond at seven o'clock but patty's business above stairs proceeded so slowly that her vexed mother could no longer avoid asking the weary matilda to sit down you won't mind finding donny at luncheon will you she said as she at length threw open the parlour door that silly patty forgot something or other and she has brought matilda perkins all the way back from brompton to fetch it said mrs o'donagough to her husband as she entered but you won't mind her seeing you eat your luncheon you know though it is five o'clock you will be shocked by the sight of so substantial a morning meal my dear miss matilda said the master of the apartment but the fact is lord robert has kept me so late at the club consulting about some private business which has brought him up to town and you may guess how delighted he was to see an old friend at a time when the chances are five hundred to one against his finding a single creature in london he has kept me so devilish late that i was absolutely obliged to send out for something solid before we set off for richmond what on earth can patty be about exclaimed the hungry mrs o'donagough impatiently there never was such a plague of a girl about her things what is it matilda that she is come back for i don't quite exactly know replied matilda blushing and faltering she said she had forgotten something and wished to come back and i did not say much about it do let the girl alone my dear said mr o'donagough if our charming friend here likes to indulge her little whims i don't see why you should grumble about it how you do spoil that girl retorted his lady resuming with a bounce her place at the table and suddenly deciding that she would not be such a fool as to let her beefsteaks get cold for any one i do believe that let her do what she would you would find out some reason or other to prove that she was right 
she is right now at any rate replied the father looking up as the young lady entered the room for i never saw her look better in my life what did you come home for patty cried mrs o'donagough suspending her well-charged fork within half an inch of her mouth i wanted a pocket-handkerchief mamma replied the young lady as if matilda could not have lent you one i am sure there was something else so you may as well be out with it what's that you have got in your other hand didn't i tell you that i would get the girl of the house to carry your things for you and what is the use then of dragging through the streets with them yourself use or not use mamma i shall carry this parcel because i like to do it and that i suppose is reason enough isn't it what's in the parcel patty persisted her mother pettishly you haven't got hold of my lace collar i hope you take me for a thief do you well that's civil anyhow isn't it matilda said patty with rather an embarrassed laugh but come along or we shall keep miss louisa waiting for her dinner she added endeavouring to back out of the room without further parley come and give me a kiss patty said her father seized with an unlucky fit of affection till now the young lady had contrived to keep her parcel if not quite out of sight at least out of the reach of her mother by holding it pertinaciously behind her back but this unwelcome invitation rendered the manoeuvre of none effect for as she stooped forward to receive the paternal caress her mamma snatched at the parcel obtained it tore it mercilessly open and disclosed sundry ells of bright rose-coloured ribbon a portion of which was daintily tied up in various sized knots while the rest floated left and right far and wide in unrestrained profusion what in the world is all this for exclaimed mrs o'donagough with marked displeasure on her countenance don't you know patty all that has been said about these sort of things what good is it to talk to you like a reasonable grown-up woman while you still act like a child did not your father pay four and ninepence for these very ribbons expressly on condition that they should be kept up as best and worn for nothing but showing off when we wanted you to look as well as possible can you stand there and tell me that you don't remember this i am not going to tell you any such thing mrs o'donagough replied patty in her most rebellious accent and at the same time glancing at her father for support for whose especial amusement she had formed her phrase but it did not answer for he was growing more hungry and angry every moment and turning towards her with unexpected firmness exclaimed don't answer your mother like a fool miss patty what the devil do you want all that finery for want it papa laura mercy doesn't every girl always want all the finery she can get i am sure if she doesn't she's a fool come along matilda was the not unskilful answer of the beauty while replacing her ribbons in their paper envelope but she was disappointed if she fancied that it would satisfy her mamma for mrs o'donagough turning briskly round to the blushing matilda abruptly demanded if they were going to have any company adding but even if you were that is no reason why she should gallop back and ransack the drawers in this way for these pink ribbons were bought to smarten up a morning dress just to call on mrs stephenson you know or anything of that sort notwithstanding her advantages in point of age it was evident that miss matilda perkins could not compete with her young friend either in courage or in presence of mind for she hesitated and looked exceedingly embarrassed as she replied i am not quite sure mrs o'donagough about who we are likely to have call upon us of a morning but dear patty always likes to be a little smart you know before strangers and she'd be the first to scold if i didn't subjoined patty then hastily kissing her father's forehead as he threw back his head in the act of lifting a porter-pot to his mouth and nodding good-bye mamma 
to her mother she bolted out of the room and the house without running the risk of any further conversation whose usual obsequious civility to mrs o'donagough was altogether conquered by her dread of being entrapped into the betrayal of patty's secret but though the fair friends succeeded in getting out of the house and in making their way safely to bellevue terrace brompton they had not by any means thoroughly bamboozled mrs o'donagough as patty boldly assured her confidant was the case for no sooner had the angry lady refreshed herself by a draught of her favourite beverage than she thus addressed her spouse don't you see donny as plain as that two and two make four that these two girls have got some trick in their heads i'll bet what you please that if you and i make them a call to-morrow morning at a genteel visiting hour we shall find some beau or other there that miss patty is particularly desirous to captivate some of the young lads of the blank perhaps that they used to meet so constantly on the pier at brighton not that i should care a straw for that if it wasn't that they were both so mighty shy about talking of it that looks like mischief don't it it is early days too to catch patty out in such a trick as that replied mr o'donagough however i have no objection to look after her to-morrow morning but mine whatever happens you must leave the whole management of the business to me don't let's have any jawing before strangers for god's sake that's all fair my dear i shan't want to meddle or make i promise you but it will do patty a monstrous deal of good to discover that with all her cleverness there are eyes as sharp as her own though may not be quite so bright End of chapter 21